from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance, AAA Say ESPN, 888-729-3776. You guys can always join in on the fun. Speaking of the fun, we're going to have a little bit of fun. We'll get back to the Warriors-Lakers. We'll get back to the 76ers and Celtics. I know everybody's fired up about NBA action. Plus, obviously, we'll get you caught up on what you need to know on the latest on the NFL schedule release. Got a lot we're going to get to, but we're going to press pause for a second and have a little bit of fun. Josh Jamel, actor extraordinaire, joins us now. Check out Buddy Games Spring Awakening coming out in theaters May 19th. Josh, appreciate you hanging out. Uh, the rumor on the street is that you're a huge Vikings fan, so how you feeling about Minnesota going into this year? What's up, fellas? I am... Uh... Excited to be here. I, I will talk sports with you all day long if you let me. And yes, the Vikings are my team. And like I say, every damn year, this is our year. This <laughs> is our year. So, so Josh, I got to take it. From, I got to take it from there because you know there are a lot of people that are picking the Detroit Lions to win the NFC North. What would you say to all those people being a uh, being a Vikings fan? Well, you know, typically I would I would rebuke that, but you know they played really really well last year, especially towards the end of the season. Uh, he's got them playing good, hard nosed football, winning football, and and you know they beat the Packers, knocked the Packers out of the playoffs, which I always love to see. Uh, but yeah, I would say I would say between us, the Vikings and the Lions are probably going to be the two favorites in the in the in that division. All right, Josh. So I, I've always wondered this because, you know, I come from a music background. And when you were touring on, on any big tour on Sundays, you got to make sure the tour bus gets parked in a spot where it actually gets satellite service. Like everybody shuts everything down. Even if you got a show, you are watching games. But you're out here acting and directing. So, like, when you're in the middle of work mode, do, do you get to press pause to watch the Vikings game? Is there like a tradition when you're on set on how you watch them play? Uh, yeah, I always make a point uh, to, to make sure that I, I see the games. It's rare that I don't catch them. Uh, you know, if I'm someplace where, you know, it's, it's, you know, you're in other parts of the world where football isn't as popular, although it feels like it's becoming more and more popular everywhere you go. Uh, I always make a point to find uh, the game. All right, so Josh, let's get into the movie, obviously. Uh, you, you directed the original Buddy Games in 2019. Uh, why a sequel? Sequels are always controversial for people. What made you want to revisit it and not just to direct it, but also to be in it? You know, it, it, the first one did extremely well, you know, and we just went out just to try to make a movie that was ridiculous and, and uh, we, 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 we didn't pull any punches. I'll put it that way in the first one. And it, and it did really well and they wanted to do another one. So I was like, let's go for it. So here we are. Um, you know, this one might be a little bit controversial. Uh, we do have some fun with the woke culture <laughs> in a very fun and, you know, uh, fun spirited way and that there's nothing mean spirited about it, but it is, it is about, you know, these, these middle-aged dudes who find themselves in a situation that, uh, you know, spring break, 25 years ago is much different than it is now. And they, they sort of accidentally end up here, uh, you know, in an attempt to memorialize their best friend and they get caught up in some, uh, in some, in some things that, you know, in the past it was about just 
you know, keg beer and, and, you know, body shots. And now it's, it's much different. <laughs> so time has kind of passed them by, but you know, the old dogs can still compete with the young ones. So what's one of the most unique things that happened while filming that didn't make the movie something funny? Oh God. Um, you know, it, it, it's it, making these things is, it, it, it's never without every single day. It's something that, I mean, I think the hardest part of directing is just sort of being able to roll with the punches and, and change it up because things happen. You just can't foresee uh, Dan back at all in the first movie broke his leg halfway through shooting and we had to basically sit him down and, you know, wheel him around and stand him up when we said action and we were able to make it through, you know, you have to find body doubles who can sort of double him for anything that's active. And in this one, he got COVID right when we needed him. So the opening of the movie, he was supposed to be with us at the funeral. Uh, and he was sick in his hotel room. So we had to figure out a way to get around that. And then he was supposed to be there at the end of the movie. We shot both the beginning and the end, like back to back. So we got to figure out a way to you know, keep him in the scene without him actually being there. So, you know, it, it, unless you've been through it, it's, it's one of those things where it's as much about problem solving as it is about, you know, shooting the actual script. And I love that. I love that about it. It's, it, it's, a, it, it's a constant puzzle that you're trying to make work every single day. I think one of the most interesting parts of creativity in general is always when the final product's out. Like, so, you know, for me, when I was in music, just hearing it on the radio and saying, okay, this is what we worked so hard for. For you, when you're going in to watch these movies, when they're all said and done, how do you sort of soak that moment in? You know, it, it, you, you never really get enough time. You never really have enough money. <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> This one, this one was no exception. You know, we, I think we did an amazing job. I think the movie is extremely funny. I think people are going to uh, find it uh, really, really sort of a social commentary of, of the current state. And it's, but it's also in it's good natured and it's, and it's wild. And these guys, these guys are hard to the core. And so it's, that to me is where I, I find the most fun. You know, I, I, I'm not trying to make something that's, you know, going to be uh, an Academy Award winner, but it will make people laugh. And that's really what we're trying to do here is, you know, I think that anybody who's over 40 will agree that, you know, you let that old man in the door and it's over. These guys are all about keeping the, the, the kid alive inside of them. And, and for and for, for me personally, I'm, uh, I'm as much of a kid now as I was when I was 21. So um, that's really what this is about, is just keeping that youthful spirit having fun and uh, not letting the old man in the door. Josh, are you, uh, uh, were you a football player in college? I was. I played at Minot State University. Go Beavers. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, see, I knew former, that. I just wanted former, to see if you were going to tell us the truth. Now, you former, were a backup quarterback, quarterback, right? Backup quarterback? <laughs> yes, sir. Okay, yeah. so did you ever What'd get you to say? the point – did you ever get to the point that where you were like, oh, holy damn, I hope I do not go into this football game because our starting quarterback got hurt? No, I started. Oh, he started? Oh, he was a starter. Yeah, yeah. It was sort of a platoon system. We had a runner and we had a pass. I was more of the passing, drop that quarterback, avoiding contact at all costs. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was not the Anthony Richardson of our team. I was, I was avoiding uh, contact. But, no, I played. 
does that squarely make you the best athlete when you're on these sets? Like, is, <laughs> we all know there's trash talking. There's got to be some there. Like, you played. Let's go. I don't think it ever goes away, right? I mean, you're always you know, right, play a, a sport. You just it just never really goes away. You know, whether it's ping pong or or horseshoes or you know wiffle ball. You know, my boys and I have been doing this for 25 years. This 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 movie came about from something that my guys have done for since we were like in high school. So every third weekend of August, every single year, we get together and we 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 have a weekend of games. Uh, you know, from ping pong to wiffle ball to golf. And there's always one, you know, outrageous event, whether it's human bowling down a down a hill and knocking each other over, or you know, paintball with with uh, nothing but jock straps on, or whatever it is, we still do it, and and we compete like we did when we were kids, and uh, and and that's what I think is is so much fun about it, and what's so fun about this movie. And Josh, I got to tell you a story really quick, right? So my okay. time that I spent in the NFL, when I was with the Falcons, I was our emergency quarterback, third string, right? But you can't. You didn't carry three. You oh, carried you two. Yeah, I was the emergency quarterback. So we're I playing at Tampa. That. We're playing at Tampa, right? Matt Ryan yeah. goes down, and then our backup gets hurt. So someone comes to me and they say, "Harry, you got to start warming up." And I immediately say to myself, like hell I do. <laughs> I seen what happened to the first two guys, and I don't get paid enough to go in there to have happen to me what happened to them. <laughs> So my, my, my wide receiver group, the next day when we got in the meeting room, they fined me the Maxima for insubordination. Oh, my God. Oh, no and Matt, and Matt had to go back And Matt had to go back in the game because I refused. Yeah, but, you know, it's, I mean, it, I always wondered how that works. If, if, you're, if you're starting your back and if you don't have a third, what do you do? do you actually, yeah. Did you actually ever take reps as a quarterback when you were, like, knowing that, you know, if this happened, you would have to go in? Yeah, so every, would you be able to run some kind of an offense? Oh, hell yes. Every practice, I, I had to do a quarterback center exchange. So they had a little small packets for me. Not anymore. I'm all grown up now, though, Josh. <laughs> Big no more small packages yeah, now. Uh, but but they, they had one for me, and um, I would always ab- uh, abort the system when we practice it and run my own plays. And my head coach would get – he was livid at me every time I did it. <laughs> Josh, I've been hey, I've been working with Harry long enough to know that the answer to your question is when he doesn't want to do something, he's just like, nah, nope, I'm just, that's not. <laughs> oh man! Uh, all right, Josh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to ask you guys uh, about the NBA right now. What do you think about this Devin Booker? I think this dude is unbelievable. I mean, what we're seeing from Devin Booker is like wildly historic, right? I mean, I said this yesterday, Josh, feels like this is like the transcending moment where you've got a face of the league that's just growing up in front of your eyes, right? Like we're all yeah, we're all watching awesome. every second. Josh, you ever yeah, seen a newborn baby? You ever seen a newborn baby come out the womb shooting a basketball, <laughs> shooting a basketball? Well, that's damn Devin Booker. Yeah, it is unbelievable. I think I think he's my new favorite player, and he's so cool. It's amazing. I, we, look, we could sit here and chop it up with you all day, but unfortunately, we can't. But I will tell everybody, remember, Buddy Game Spring Awakening premieres in theaters May 19th. Congrats. We can't wait to watch it. We can't wait to soak it in. Uh, but most importantly, I hope you enjoy when it comes out to just getting to watch the product of your creativity, brother. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Yeah, it's wild. It is wild. I hope you guys love it. Thank you so much. That's Josh Demel, uh, and I can't wait to watch it. Like you know, what it's going to be wild. And uh, by the way, Harry, I think we just got invited to his party every third week in August. I'm Let's just do it. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm just you know just putting it out there. Speaking of putting it out there, the NFL is about to put their schedule out. But in the process of doing that, they've already told us some interesting things that prove 
They have one team they're giving their favorite situation to. I'm already telling you the league's biased. We'll tell you why next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. This is Fitz and Harry. We used to practice it Saturday mornings in our walkthroughs and stuff, and I had a, a little package. You had a little, little package? Did, little did they know. Harry Douglas got a little uh, package? At that time, I had a little package. <laughs> <laughs> at that time, I'm all grown up now, baby. I'm all grown up now. <laughs> I think Evan Producer has now quit the show. and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. If you're watching us in the app and you don't know what song is playing right now, it's all the small things in honor of Harry Douglas. The small package. Uh, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason <laughs> Fitz. By the way, uh, I love our listeners, and we say that all the time. Uh, Jimmy Lewis tweeted us because I asked earlier what the urban song, like the urban equivalent, uh, would be of Brown Eyed Girl. Like the song that just makes you bop your shoulders a little bit at the uh, at the cookout. Like everybody's, you know, flipping burgers, just humming along. And he said the, in quotes, urban song for Brown Eyed Girl is Maze with Frankie Beverly's song called Before I Let Go. Everyone's going to dance and sing along with this song. Uh, Harry, uh, are we are we in on this song? Do we know this? Oh, 100% uh, okay. correct. Okay. Before okay. I let go. Mm. Mm. All right, thank you. Uh, all right, I just, <laughs> look, I love the tweets. Take that, Canty. Take uh, that, Canty. Uh, yeah, like, let's just also <laughs> recognize the fact that our, our, our brethren on radio, Canty and Carlin, have put out a promo piece that is allowing Canty to sing. I will now again remind you that we will take on every single show in a karaoke contest, uh, a battle to the death, uh, a karaoke, and uh, we will, like, I will bet Harry Douglas's house on, on us in this karaoke contest. <laughs> so whenever, like, his house, very clearly, his house, uh, you know what? I'm throwing Patero's house in, too. Jimmy Patero runs all of ESPN. I will wager yep. Jimmy Patero's house that this show would win the karaoke contest, not only because we have sweet, sweet vocals on this show, and I've heard the rest of them sing, but also because there's an element of performance you are not ready for. Like, yeah. everybody else going to be a little reserved. We are going to be like, not us. straight down to the Speedo and just giving you if all I the- have to hump the floor because I'm singing R&B, the floor will be getting What? Up. Have to? Or get to? That's the real question. It's Fitz and Harry Facts. on ESPN Radio. <laughs> uh, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. The NFL is going to release its full schedule uh, tomorrow night, and they're going to make a big hubbub about it, and everybody's going to watch it, and I'm going to sit here like the crotchety old man screaming at the cloud saying, why do we care? But I will say this. The international series has started to, to come out. They've told us what games are going to be international. And, Harry, it, there's an interesting moment. The Jacksonville Jaguars have two international games, but significantly, they're back-to-back. So they'll be playing back-to-back, which means the second of those two opponents is going to be the Buffalo Bills. 
If I'm Buffalo, I don't know that I love the fact that I've got to come over, I've got to deal with all that travel, I've got to try and get acclimated, while I'm going to take on a Jags team that is much improved, that a lot of people think is the favorite to win their division, that's been over there long enough to get sort of their travel sea legs under them. So the Falcons will be against the Jags October 1st, and then Woo-hoo! the Jags will place the play the Bills October 8th. That feels like a huge advantage for Jacksonville in an AFC that's wildly tight this year. Yeah, I believe it is. And it's different now from when I played in London. I think it was back in 2013 or 14. Maybe in 2014, right? Uh, the difference is now these teams, they go over, I think, two days before the game. Back then, we went over their entire week. So whatever game that we had that previous week before the London game, we would just fly immediately from there. For us, it was Baltimore. So we went right from Baltimore straight to London, spent the entire week over there. It was around Halloween as well. They do things a little differently now. A lot of those teams, it just they practice here in the States and then they go over there. I would think that, that, that would be harder to deal with because of the time change and how everything is. But for Jacksonville to be able to, you know, just stay there after they play the Falcons in week four and then face the Bills in week five, I think it gives them uh, an an advantage to actually, you know, get acclimated to everything over there in London. Yeah, it feels weird to me. And it makes a ton of sense. If you're the Jags, this is probably what you wanted because you certainly don't want to have to travel there, travel back, travel there. I understand Mm -hmm. all of that. But I just don't love it from the Bills standpoint. Like, if it was anybody, if it was a lesser team, I don't know that I'd be as upset about it. But for the Bills particularly, who know they're going to be in a dogfight with the Jets, who are going to be in a dogfight with the Dolphins, who are going to be in a dogfight maybe with the Patriots. But that division Mm -hmm. looks so hard right now. If you're the Bills, every little disadvantage is significant when you're talking about what one game could mean towards winning the division, what one game could mean towards going to the wild card. Like, that's all huge. Well, well here's one more thing, too, because I, I thought I'd seen last year there were multiple teams that went over there and played in London and didn't have a bye week the following week. That's normally, you know, when I was playing Fitz, that's, that's how it was done. When you went over and played in London, when you came back, you had a bye week because of the time change in the trip. I thought I've seen a few teams last year not have a bye week. So for the Buffalo Bills, are they going to have their bye after they play the Jacksonville Jaguars over in London? Yeah, this is all part of what makes the NFL schedule wildly complicated to put together. I will remind everybody that the league doesn't hate your favorite team. Whatever your favorite team is, when the schedule comes out tomorrow, you'll be convinced the league has it out for them. It is incredibly complicated to figure out how to put every game in every place every year and then listen to the teams the teams are allowed to make requests of what they want and then deal with all of the other scheduling issues that come about like there is nothing easy about the process so i give the nfl a ton of benefit of the doubt in how they put it together but this one this one feels feels a little hard and if i'm jacksonville if i'm a jags fan the more and more and more that you continually just lose a home game, but you also lose another stateside game, the more you just have to look around if you're the Jags and say, man, what is it? Like, what do we need to, to show the ownership and the league that we can be a fundamental building block of a, of a location here? Because I, I wouldn't love it. I wouldn't feel comfortable with it if I was the Jags, knowing that I'm sharing my football team every year. Well, I would say this. I know the players aren't comfortable with their pockets getting hit mm. massively when it comes to taxes because that's the one thing I hated about the trip. I was like, well, damn, they taking that much money out of my taxes? Mm-hmm. This, this is worse than California. This is worse than New York. 
And for a Jacksonville team, a team that's playing in Florida who doesn't have state tax, so, you know, you look at all the home games they have there. They play in Texas against Houston. They don't get state tax there. And also in Tennessee, now you go over to London and you're getting state tax. Well, you're getting the, the, the tax over there in London twice. You have to pay the queen, right? And you're yeah. right. It's it's twice. And, you know, I learned this when we toured over there one time. I came back from a huge European tour and I was like, man, this was this was great, great. And then all of a sudden I got a bill at the end of the year and I was like, wait, what? Uh, I owe I owe this country how much money? Like it is yeah. it is alarming for those players, but that's that's just part of what it means now to be a Jacksonville Jaguar. Obviously, tomorrow night is when the schedule release happens. We will make sure Friday to react to all of it. We'll give you all of the spice, the sugar. Could you be more happy about it? I don't like the tone that you're using. Uh, look, be more I, excited about. You know the what I'm going to do Friday? Release. I'm going to give all of you Jeez. the path on how the Raiders are going to win 11 games. <laughs> sure. That means I'm going to come in drunk Friday. That's about the only way that I can, I can get there. All right. We'll break it all down. But coming up, one player's focus will not be on the NFL schedule release for now. And we'll explain that to you next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Saturday, the stage is set. The XFL Championship. The underdog Arlington Renegades, led by quarterback Luis Perez, aim to pull off the major upset, while the D.C. defenders and star running back Abram Smith look to power their way to the title. Renegades, defenders, the XFL Championship game. Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern on ABC and ESPN+. Bring it in. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Again, the XFL Championship game this weekend. Excited for this, something that we've talked a lot about on the show. Harry covering the sidelines this year, me hosting XFL Today. Uh, don't forget, you can watch the championship edition of XFL Today this Saturday. I believe it's Saturday morning, so it'll be out there for you across all the digital ESPN platforms. Uh, Harry, what do you say we get a little preview here of the XFL championship? Uh, we're joined by Luis Perez, uh, quarterback of the XFL Arlington Renegades. Uh, Luis, really appreciate your time. Appreciate you hanging out with us. Obviously, this is a weird year for you because you start with Vegas, you get traded to Arlington, but it's also weird to be traded in an atmosphere where you're not really changing cities you're just changing hotels because you guys train in one hub what was that experience like for you yeah you know it was a whirlwind for sure you know from first getting the call that i was getting traded to you know obviously now getting to getting a player in the championship has been great but yeah like you mentioned you know we're all in one hub so we stayed at different hotels but it was about a 20 minute uber ride on the trade so it wasn't too bad Louise, when you look at your, your head coach, Bob Stooks, what was his message to you when you first got there? But not only when you first got there, but also when you took over as the starting quarterback. Yeah, I think the biggest thing was he wanted me to mesh with the guys, gain the trust of the other guys, right? As a quarterback, you have to gain the trust of others so everybody can buy into what we're doing and then we can execute our high level. So that was pretty much the dialogue we had, you know, just, hey, come in, fit in, 
and just win the job. And I did that. So, Luis, uh, one of the things that I think is really interesting about your story, and I know you've heard this a million times, but a lot of people listening haven't. You know, you're the YouTube quarterback, right? You learned the position watching all these YouTube videos. Walk me through a little bit of what got you into that. Is it like, why was that the approach for you? Yeah, I think it was more of an extensual, extensual thing. I mean, the biggest thing was, hey, like, I didn't know anything about fronts, coverages, route combinations, anything like that. All I knew was, hey, I can throw a nice spiral. So my first instinct was, hey, you know what, let me get on YouTube and let me learn the position a little bit, right? I didn't have a coach I can just go to. I didn't have anybody to go to. So I think my first instinct was just, hey, let me just go on YouTube and just try to figure this out. Now, I got to talk to you about the last time you faced the D.C. defenders who you will face in the championship game on Saturday. You threw for a lot of yards over 300, was 31 of 41. What are you able to take from that matchup going into this championship game because you guys had two weeks to prepare for them versus one week. Yeah, I think the biggest thing when we go back and watch the film is that it's really not about what other teams do. It's about what we do, and it's about how well we execute. If you go back and watch our game, you know, opening drive, we drive all the way down, and we can't get in the end zone. We get three points, and we're at the one-yard line. You know, we can't do that. Once we get that close, we got to punch it in for six. And then – you know, a couple drives later, you know, there's a miscommunication between me and my receiver on an option route where he breaks out. I, I think he's breaking in. I throw it in. And, you know, that gives them six points. And then we had another play where it's like, hey, we're in field goal range already. I take a sack, get us out of field goal range. Our kicker misses the field goal. So if you just go back and look at those plays itself, like, it's about us. And I think that's the big message that, that we were next to the last two weeks we were kind of talking. Hey, it's about It's not about what D.C. does. It's about what we do and how well we can execute. What about the pressure? Because you know the defensive coordinator for the defenders, Greg Williams, he's going to bring pressure from all over the place. Those guys were able to get two sacks against you the first time around. How are you guys preparing for the pressure that you're going to see in this game brought by Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator for D.C.? Yeah, so I think they're definitely going to bring pressure, and obviously knowing Greg Williams, and they're going to bring some stuff that we haven't seen on film. So we got to trust our keys and our rules to where if we see something, we'll be able to adjust on the fly and, and make it work. It, it, it all becomes interesting to me, too, as well, because, Louise, obviously there were a ton of people that had question marks about Arlington belonging in the playoffs, uh, acquiescing the fact that you guys finished 4-6 and six during the regular season, and on the other side in the other division, there were several teams that had better records. So there was this loud roar that they shouldn't even have done the playoffs this way. And then you guys go out, and you whoop up on the first round, and you get to the championship game. Was there a chip on the shoulder for you guys knowing what people were saying? Yeah, you can't really entertain those things. When people start saying those things, you can't entertain it. I mean, if you look at the NFL, it's the same way. It's the same system, right? The AFC is the NFC, right? You don't bring somebody else on one side and bring them just because they have a better record. I mean, that's, you just can't entertain it, like I said. And the biggest thing was we're not worried about the outside noise. We were confident going in week 11, first playoff week, week that, hey, we know we can beat this. Week 10, we didn't really show much knowing that we were going to play on the next week. And we were already in. So, I mean, if you go back and you watch that game, you just you know how vanilla we were. So coming out, we had a good game plan against them week 11 that they weren't expecting, and we were able to execute at a high level. Now, your why is your wife, your two wonderful little daughters, also your mom and dad and your brothers. Will they get an opportunity to be in San Antonio to watch you play for the XFL championship this weekend? Absolutely. They will all be there. I'll have probably about roughly 40 people at the game. It'll be a good time. What's it mean to you to be on the field for a championship? Yeah, no, it's an unbelievable feeling, right? 
obviously when you first join the XFL, that's the goal, right? To win it all. You know, I didn't think it would be for a different team I started with, obviously, but hey, I'm here. You know, God has me here for a reason. I'm just going to go glorify him. There's a lot of conversation, obviously, also about the next step because so much of the XFL has been about the intersection and trying to get the 54th man for anyone that hasn't watched these, talking about the active 53 in the NFL, trying to get to the league. Have you uh, talked to anybody yet? Are you getting any indications from teams around the NFL if there's a camp invite coming for you? Uh, I told my agent, hey, I don't want to know anything that's going on right now in the NFL. I want to focus on this week, and once this week happens, then we can kind of go from there, but... Again, I don't want to have any dialogue with that. I want to focus on what's in front of me right now, and the most important thing right now is winning the championship. Well, Luis, I'll tell you, man, stay stay locked in. It's not about how you start, but how you finish, and I wish you nothing but success moving forward, my man. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks. That's Luis Perez, quarterback at XFL's Arlington Renegades, joining us. He's very businesslike. I've had the chance now to talk to him a couple of times in the last few days with XFL work, and you can see that focus, Harry. Like, you can hear that focus. And, and I just – I have to remind people, he was traded by Vegas. Vegas gave, basically gave up on him, and he found a second life at the XFL in his second life. It's well, crazy. Let, let me say this, too, though, because interviewing Bob Stooks and the offensive coordinators for Arlington, one of, a few of the things that they love about Perez is that he, he's a leader. He's going to be the first one in. He's going to be the last one to leave. He's detail-oriented. He's going to put the work in, put the time in. He wants to be on the same page of, as his offensive guys. And I remember him telling us the week he got traded, he felt like he could have played a game that week. But that tells me that he's locked in and his business approach and his business mind to get on the same page with everyone else who's been there their entire season. Yeah, and since he came there, Arlington's averaging almost seven points per game more, and they're up 100 yards a game in passing yardage. It's been a monster difference for the championship that you can watch Saturday night on ABC XFL. NFL championship will be there at 8 p.m. All right, one team has gone all in on their quarterback, but we'll tell you why they may not be able to be that patient with him. We'll talk about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Brought to you by Bank of America. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. We're excited for him. We've got a lot of confidence in him. I think it's a good compromise. You're guaranteeing less money for a year. This is his tryout year, and they're going to find out what they have in Jordan Love, and if he's not the guy, they'll move on from him. I think Jordan Love is at the point now where he's ready to start for this organization, but also he has to go out there for 17 games and prove that he's worthy of that money. But now it puts the Green Bay Packers in a situation to still make him want to prove what he's able to do on a football field too. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel lady, and your smart speakers. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. 
Jordan Love is at the podium as we speak, speaking to the press. And you know that this is going to hit different because now it is very clear that this is absolutely Jordan Love's team. And that means the questions are going to start coming. But it also means, Harry, that there are questions that we're going to have to ask about how the Packers will be able to handle this season. Let's start with what Jordan Love just said moments ago at his press conference when he was asked specifically how he approached this offseason. The whole offseason, you know, I approached it that uh, I'd be the starter. So um, that was just my mindset going into it. Um, I couldn't really control what happened going forward. Um, it was out of my control, but uh, that was kind of the approach I took to it and just went from there. Now, Ooh, you might better have that mindset because you have a lot of shoes to fill. And when I say a lot of shoes, we talk about Aaron Rodgers. And before Aaron Rodgers, it was Brett Favre. And then you think about, you know, Bart Starr, all the guys that played quarterback at a very, very high level in the Green Bay Packers organization. You're the next person up. So your mindset has to be, you know what, this is my team now. Let me see what I can do to make sure we are successful as a team and me as their leader. Well, and he doesn't really have a lot of time to get settled into that mindset. Like, you've just got to own it. When you, you just like you wake no. up one day, you put your feet on the ground, and you say, hey, I'm the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. And part of that, and I know a lot of people will remember that not too long ago, they did a, a contract extension for him that gives him this year and next year. But let's be very real. Uh, at some point, they're going to have to figure out quickly what they have. In fact, remember, Diana Rossini said this, ESPN NFL reporter said this on NFL Live about the Packers and if they're going to rush Jordan Love. This coaching staff does know a lot of what they've seen from Jordan Love out on the practice field. And everything that I've been hearing is in terms of the confidence, they believe in him, but they are preaching patience. Patience throughout the entire organization. No, he is not going to be able to step out on the field and immediately light this up. It's going to take some time just because he hasn't had that much time out on the field. Harry, patience Mm -hmm. is... Hard to ask everybody to have when you've just sent Aaron Rodgers away and now you have this year and next year to figure it out. And by the way, you've got draft capital next year that could be key, right? Yes, it is. But I I will say this. The simple fact that they weren't able to make the playoffs a year ago with Aaron Rodgers, that might help Jordan Love a little bit here in this case. When Aaron Rodgers took over for Brett Favre, they didn't make the playoffs, and they went 13-3, and I believe, the season before. When Brett Favre took over as a starting quarterback when he was young, they didn't make the playoffs that year. So he has a little bit of patience, but the reason why I say a little bit of patience is because in 2024, next, next year's draft, if Aaron Rodgers plays, I believe it's 65% of the snaps for the New York Jets, then the Packers get another first-round pick on top of their own first-round pick. So if Jordan Love stinks up the place, they have those two first-round picks to try to, you know, move up, move up and maneuver to go get their quarterback if they feel like it, along with probably, it'd probably be other draft capital um, as well. But they have that luxury. Now, they're hoping for the best that Jordan Love is their guy. None of us know that right now because of the fact that he hasn't played but one game as a starter – Uh, for the Green Bay Packers at the quarterback position. I think there's this moment here where the organization is also going to have to shut out the noise. Like, we always ask players to shut out the noise, 
But yeah. in this case, I think the Packers need to also. One of the things I constantly credit when you look at the development of Josh Allen is the Buffalo Bills didn't give a damn what any of us thought, right? Like the Buffalo Bills weren't listening to anybody. They gave their guy time to develop the way they thought he could develop. They trusted mm-hmm. their process. He's one of the best in the league. What's going to be interesting, and I'll use my bias of where I live right now, like I spend my time in Connecticut. I've never seen anything like in my life as a fan what I've seen in Connecticut around Patriots fans. And like I, I know Patriots fans are going to at me here. I'm just telling you what I see all the time, which is you went from Tom Brady to Mac Jones, and now all of a sudden you're not as good as you were, and you think the world, like the sky is falling, and this is absolutely unacceptable. <laughs> and like, like when you've gone from generations, Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers to now Jordan Love, one thing fans are going to have to be, and I think it might be impossible, is patient. Fans are going to have to step back and be like, yeah, we're going to have to give them a little bit of time. might take a year or two. That's hard to ask when you're coming off of what feels like 30 years of consecutive great quarterback play. But I like what the Green Bay Packers in their front office has done for Jordan Love. You look at two guys in last year who really start to come along. Uh, Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. Now they have another guy in uh, Samari Torre who I think can be able to make some noise. But you drafted Jaden Reed. You also um, drafted Dontavian Wicks also to go along with, with this wide receiver core. Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft, two tight ends. And yes, those guys are young, but they're going to have to come along as well. But you want those guys to be able to grow with your young quarterback, Jordan Love. And if he isn't the guy... You want those young players and those young um, um, outside pieces on the perimeter to grow with whatever quarterback you try to move up and try to get with those two first-round draft picks. Well, and this is also why things get difficult because we live in a comparison world. And one thing, you know, we saw this moment where yeah, the, the Eagles were going to go in and figure out what they had with Jalen Hurts, right? And they yep. needed to because last year was a prove-it year. We all said that going into it. Well, the difference is they also went out and got, I don't know, A.J. Brown. Like, they, they, they put great weapons around him and said, let's see what we got. I think to your point, we have to remember that the the Packers' approach has been let's develop strong talent and let's draft that talent and see what we can make for the future moving forward. That requires a more patient approach. There is not a Devontae Adams for him to throw the ball to right now. There is not a, a epic, oh my God, superstar already existing. There are good pieces that could develop into great players, but if you're going to ask everybody around uh, Jordan Love to develop while Jordan Love is developing, you're going to have to be more patient with the development process. Well, we also got to remember in 2021, Jalen Hurts was able to start that entire season he, uh, uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles. Jordan Love is going to a situation where he, he didn't start a year ago. He's only played one game in, what, three years. Yeah. So, you know, being a starting quarterback, being a leader, all this is going to be new for him. But at the same time, he can't get lost and things can't weigh too heavily on his shoulders because you don't know how he's going to react to it. So the Packers also got to be mindful of that, too, and rely on some of their run game as well. Yeah, there's one easy answer is he's great. He's successful. Everything else is complicated. It's clean car month now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. That's not complicated. Make your tires shine. Get two bottles of Superior Cover All Tire Shine for just... 18 bucks. Get details at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts or shop online at O'ReillyAuto.com. All right. Why tonight the future of the Celtics might be decided and it won't be on the court. We'll tell you next. Fitz and Harry. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 